a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. What's going on, guys? My name is Alden Nero, and welcome to a Star Wars special podcast because Star Wars fever is in the air, and we've truly entered Star Wars season. When I get paid next, I'm going to be buying my tickets to go see the new Star Wars movie. There's a new Star Wars game out. Uh, there's a whole new trilogy of Star Wars movies announced. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out next year. There's a Star Wars live-action TV series coming out. So with that in mind, I decided to ask my friend Santiago from the Brilliant Weird With You podcast if he wanted to just simply talk about Star Wars. Uh, and he said yes, which is great because he has very... Uh, I think he's just a very kind of insightful analyzer of... Uh, pop culture and media and things like that and uh, it's always interesting to talk to him about movies and music and things of that nature so um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode Uh, the things that we talk about are uh, I think we start off talking about Battlefront 2 and we spend a lot of time talking about EA and the whole loot boxes thing then we talk about what we're expecting from or what we would like to see from the new trilogy and just talking about potential storylines and things of that nature and then we talk about how excited we are for the upcoming Star Wars movies in the next couple of years so uh, hopefully you guys enjoy if you do please leave a like on the video or on the podcast or if you're on iTunes leave a rating and uh, a review that would actually be really great considering we're approaching 100 episodes for the midnight hour also check out weird with you all of the links for that will be in the description it's an awesome podcast and they upload every week and they don't miss a week unlike the midnight hour so there you go there's incentive uh, go do that and tell them I sent you that would be much appreciated anyways enjoy I am joined today by Santiago, one half of the brilliant Weird With You podcast. Santiago, where can my listeners go and check out your podcast? Uh, they can find us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash weirdwithyou or on any other podcatcher or podcasting service of their choice. Uh, and they can also find us on Twitter at weird underscore with you. Nice. And they can find you on Twitter as well with your really funny Twitter handle. That. I know, I don't use it as often as I should, but uh, they can find me online at Comic Sans. that's S-A-N-T-Z. Yeah, it's really good. Um, that'll be in the description, obviously, um, everything just mentioned. But um, yeah, you're back on the Midnight Hour for another another one of our kind of crossover episodes that we do uh, often. And yeah, it's great. Welcome back. It's really good to have you back on the podcast. N- um, not often enough, El. Not often enough. That's true. You know? Being an adult is so hard. <laughs> it is. To do. Um, but I, I like I like being on your show because it, it feels like uh, slipping into an old warm glove. <laughs> it's just you know just right. It uh, it uh, accommodates all of your crevices, your crevasses. Absolutely and it, uh, yes. And you're you're kept uh, snugly and and warm and uh, and it and it feels familiar, you know. Yeah, and Lord knows that's something that you need at this time of year. Dare I say, Chewy, we're home. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really good. But, like, you are a man who can do impressions of at least two different types of pterodactyls. So. This is true. This is true. <laughs> I this cannot is compete with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a fact. Um, so we're here to talk about Star Wars because, god damn it, it's Star Wars season. And I read somewhere that in wintertime people feel way more nostalgic because nostalgic makes us feel warm inside. 
and mm. Star Wars comes out at Christmas time and it's just the most nostalgic like fun fest that has ever existed and I don't know Star Wars is just one of the one of the main arguments in favor of there being a god I think uh, <laughs> there's there's no better way of putting it the fact that Star Wars exists means there is divinity somewhere in the universe and uh and that's, uh, I mean, that's, you know, I think Richard Dawkins himself said that. Richard uh, Dawkins once said. Yeah. What did he say, Al? That, that is such a, that is such a non-Richard Dawkins thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> I, I'm pretty Star sure. Star Wars is pretty cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard him say one time that, like, myths and stories and fables and things should never be taught to children because they construct a fake reality and they basically like f feed into the same level of delusion that makes a person believe in god and it's like come on <laughs> have you ever had dick. fun yeah exactly it's just, oh. um he's just a scrooge he's just a scrooge that's what he is he is Somebody a scrooge to teach him the spirit of star wars yeah he'll, he'll be visited by the the force ghost of star wars past <laughs> that would be so good <laughs> Yeah, so um, interestingly, there's just a lot of buzz around Star Wars at the moment. We know that mm -hmm. there is a Han Solo movie coming out next year. We know that there's going to be a brand new trilogy, which yeah. is just unbelievable. Like, I cannot wait for that. I'm so excited. We'll talk more about that as we go on. Um, also, we have the newly released Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, what am I missing? Episode 8 is obviously upcoming and just I don't, just a few weeks away yeah um uh, like i'm actually i get paid on tuesday and i'm gonna be booking tickets there and then for the for the first showing of no because i think the first showing of it is at midnight and i, I won't oh geez i that. suppose that it's less than a few weeks away at this point now right yeah december 15th isn't it well it's still a few weeks away yeah, okay it's still, yeah, we're, yeah, good, it's we're good still, we're good yeah, no, technically yeah. like almost exactly a few i won't make you retract your statement i, I think i it, it meets well, the you. sufficient burden of truth. Um, so um, just a quick kind of question to start us off, because I've been thinking about this recently, uh, having met like several detractors and um, being kind of puzzled as to why. But what do you think about Disney having Star Wars? Like, do you think that that's a good thing? Are you happy that Disney have acquired it and what they're doing with it and their vision for it and stuff like that? So that's a... That's a tough question. Mm -hmm. um, I, in some ways, I feel that the most ideal situation for Star Wars um, would have been to have just four, five, and six, and nothing else ever, ever, ever again. Wow. And, th and I feel like, honestly, that might have been the most ideal situation. But it wasn't, and we need to remember this, it wasn't Disney that screwed that over. Yeah. It was George Lucas himself. Uh Regardless of whether you like episode one, two, and three or not, personally, I don't, but that doesn't change the, the validity of this statement. The point is that whether or not you think that they're good movies, they don't feel like Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. There's something that's very un-Star Wars about them. Yes, they have Jedi. Uh, yes, they have you know the Sith and the Force and the blasters and the ships and all of the star battles and all of that stuff. Um, star battles, space battles, whatever. <laughs> star Wars. <laughs> they battle almost. in a star. 
It's it's a it's a series about stars that all hate each other because they have deep seated racism. <laughs> classic um, that classic story of space. They have you have the North Star and the South Star. Everybody knows about the North Star because it That's won. Right. But the South will rise again. <laughs> Cut it there, Al. Cut it there. <laughs> um so I, I think the thing is, like, whether or not you think that they're good movies or bad movies, they aren't really Star Wars movies in the same way that the J.J. Abrams verse Star Trek movies aren't really Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, they have the veneer of Star Trek on them, but they don't feel they don't have that fundamental feeling of Star Trek. And for better or worse, uh, Episode seven did. And I, yeah. I know we've talked this about this on the show before, um, but I my personal feelings, just to be brief are that uh, I wasn't completely 100% happy with the retread of Episode 4. That was Episode 7. I think the best parts of Episode 7 were all of the new parts, uh, things with the new characters that didn't involve um, the older characters returning. Um, I feel like Episode 8 is probably going to handle that better than Episode 7 did because I don't think it's going to be a retread. But the thing is, I feel like it might have been like a necessary evil Uh, I compare Star Wars a lot to the Beatles um, in that the Beatles aren't the most musically amazing, proficient band to ever walk the earth. Right. Uh, They're not like Mozart. They they were a band. They're a rock band and they're great. I'm not saying that they're not great. They're just like not the epitome of what music is. And neither is Star Wars to film, really. Like, especially if you're looking at episode four, it's not an amazing movie. It's amazing for what it accomplished at the time. And uh, and and this is what I'm getting at with the comparison to the Beatles is that despite the fact that the Beatles isn't like the most, you know, technically proficient musical experience ever, um, you know, it isn't masterful in any way. Uh, or although that could be argued, what what does mastery mean? Um, the thing about the Beatles is that it's universally loved. There's just something about it, you know. It, it's it's peanut butter and jelly. I, I, I'm saying somebody who doesn't like peanut butter, but it's that kind of universal. That's probably not a good example because I don't know about other countries whether they enjoy peanut butter and jelly. But we, uh, we don't even use the term je- like jelly is a different peanut thing. butter doesn't even exist in France. I've been told. Well, but anyway, well, France is a better <laughs> country because of it. <laughs> Far better place. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's just something that's like universally uh, loved, despite it not being like any sort of uh, tremendous achievement in terms of its storytelling or writing. It's a retread in and of itself of, of old uh, Japanese films. Right. And uh, uh, Buck Rogers. And exactly. Uh, and yeah. uh, um, Flash Gordon. That's the one I was thinking of Flash Gordon. Um, so, you know, for me, it comes down to this is that they had lightning in a bottle with Star Wars. It had that universal just love to it where where the majority of people who saw Star Wars, the original trilogy, just fell in love with it. Um, and the prequels didn't have that. And I think the attempt from Disney was to try and recapture that lightning in the bottle, to try and recapture that feeling. And to some extent, in order to do that, to 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 bring back that feeling, I feel like they felt like they had two options. They could either go completely new, which seems to be what's happening um, with, you know, the, the last Jedi um, or, and with this new trilogy that we're talking about yeah. uh, a little bit later, uh, or they could play it safe. And I think they made a wise choice in playing it safe. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. Force awakens was a tremendous success. It made a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and and it is a proficient film. My one criticism of J.J. Abrams and why I'm not so happy that he's coming back for the last movie is like he makes very proficient films, but they're not terribly exciting. Um, most of the excitement that came in uh, episode seven, I think, had a to do with Lawrence Kasdan uh, coming back to write it uh, yeah. with J.J. Abrams, but also the fact that it was like Star Wars was back and it sort of felt like the old Star Wars, not completely, but it was like sort of there. It had some of that magic back. You know, uh, Finn saying, uh, I need a pilot. Yeah, yeah. That that interaction. Uh, some things, did they feel forced, some of the lines? Yeah, is it, it's stumbling back into what it is. But, I mean, episode four, like I said, not the most amazing movie ever made. It was just amazing for its time. And now it's beloved. So, like, how dare I say that? But I'm just being honest about, uh, about those feelings towards it. I, yeah, I, I, the... I think Disney's... Uh, to just answer your actual question, I think Disney is a good thing because the optimal scenario for keeping Star Wars untouched and beloved in the original way that it was, was already ruined by its own creator. So it can only get better. Yeah, I think that's actually, that's basically exactly what I think too. Um, like the fact is we have Star Wars it's going to keep going and I don't really think that the franchise could be in safer hands at the moment mm. um and I I really like the Beatles analogy too because the Beatles are a band that could release something that is just abject garbage and mm -hmm. we would still will them on to make a great album afterwards like we wouldn't just write them off um, and we find things it. about that garbage that we liked. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we did, right? It, it's called the White Album. <laughs> um, but the the um, the whole idea of the Beatles not being the most technically proficient band um, is also very true. And the Beatles did also collect a lot of the most popular and innovative music that was going on around that time. And they sort of they took it all it. together. Yeah, they appropriated it. And then they sort of just created an entirely new trajectory for that style of music um and and it was in like the, the and i use these terms in a more like esoteric sense but the, the branding and the marketing of them um or rather the packaging of them like what they represented and how they were um put out is like very similar to star wars in the sense that it's not particularly amazing but the sum of its parts just makes it amazing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so Dis uh, just Disney being in charge is good, I think, um, if it has to be anybody. And I'm really surprised when people are like, oh, Disney, not so sure about them, because it's like, who who else do you think could, um, who who else could make a Star Wars movie that people are like, yeah, that's great, this is this is good, this is exciting. Um, I th I think that if the question was who could make one or three great star wars films like it could be almost any other place True. um but who can continue to make quality star wars films over an extended period of time mm -hmm. i mean like the only studio that's demonstrated their ability to pump out um you know consistent quality over time has been disney and specifically with marvel 
You yeah, know, they, they, they've just been killing it in terms of the, the quality. Now, uh, am I burnt out from superhero movies in general? Yes, but that goes beyond Marvel and the film slate that they've released. It's that on top of that, you're getting films from Sony and from other places that are also superhero films. And it's just like that's adding to it. Whereas Star Wars, we're only getting one film a year as opposed to the Avengers each get their own movie every year. Yeah, <laughs> uh, almost. And uh, and it's a little oversaturated. I think the, the Star Wars scenario is a little bit better. Although going back to something that you said at the beginning of the episode, um, I'm going to be kind of pissed when they f- inevitably fall back to that May release schedule. Um, Star Wars movies are supposed to release in May. And the Han yeah. Solo film is still slated to release in May. And it makes me kind of upset because I really like Star Wars in December. It feels like a Christmas present from the world. I know, I know. Yeah, it's very true. It, and it, and it, it ties it into is, that nostalgia. It is the nostalgic thing. Yeah, yep. it's um. Makes it's, me feel it, like a kid again, doubly. You know. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like going to the cinema when it's dark outside is just mm. better. I don't know, like getting in out of the cold and yeah, it will be. It will definitely be weird to go in the summertime, but. I'll do it. <laughs> oh, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um one thing I actually didn't mention was that they're bringing out a Star Wars live action TV series as well. Yes. Um we'll see. They've tried to do that many times, but Disney will probably have more success. Yeah, do we know anything about that? Is there any information out there? I doubt that they're looking at any of the old stuff that George Lucas was working on. Um he tried multiple times to do a live action and i think even got as far as casting for one that was going to be shot in australia at one point and uh it just never went through so ah, i'm i don't know i I think disney took a look at all of the lucas stuff and then just put it in the circular file folder that is the trash can yes (laughs) i can imagine like george lucas like hey check out this stuff that i wrote and disney being like Cool. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Well, and, and it's it's so evident when you look at um, where they have been taking their inspiration with a show like Rebels, by the way, which is fucking awesome. Um, and they're looking at uh, Ralph McQuarrie art, right? Like the original concept art for for Star Wars. That's where they're getting their inspiration from. They're not getting it from George Lucas anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, other than going back to his original films and taking from that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I guess I guess we'll talk about the video games at the moment because mm. Battlefront 2 was just released. Um, I've been playing it. I'm enjoying it. I'm playing it at the pace of an adult who has a job that requires a lot of hours. Um, so I'm only at the part in the campaign where you get to play as Leia, which is probably like the fifth level or something like that. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. I'm just playing the campaign because that was what I always used to do with Star Wars games. Um, yes. It, it just feels like it cannot be a Star Wars game without the campaign. And as much as I loved the first Battlefront, I don't feel like I got enough mileage out of it because I'm just not really like a person who can go online and play online for hours anymore. Um, Same. I, I could do it if they re-released Modern Warfare 2, I think. Um, but I think that's what it would take, basically. Uh, but, yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say this um, because of what happened with Visceral, but uh, 
So we're all up to date on on the visceral games situation, like what happened with the the Star Wars game that Amy Hennig was putting together. Yeah, they had like a wasn't there a preview um, of some of the gameplay released from that, or was it a was it a cutscene or something? There there was a teaser that like a very teasy teaser that was released uh, two E3s ago, I want to say. Yeah. Um and. They EA just closed Visceral down. So Visceral, the developers of uh, Dead Space, um, had tapped Amy Hennig, who used to work with uh, Naughty Dog for Uncharted, uh, to go in and and make this game for them. Um, and so she was one of the she was part of the brain trust for Uncharted. So of course, like she's a huge name in the industry, uh, very innovative. And she was making this game that was codenamed Scoundrels, uh, that was basically like kind of and it was about scoundrels uh smugglers um and it was kind of like uncharted but in star wars uh taking place i think during the time of the original trilogy or around that time yeah it sounded amazing it was really interesting and apparently they were bringing in all sorts of extra mechanics um but the problem was that apparently ea wasn't giving them uh the resources that they needed um and then they kept pulling people out and then amy was unfortunately it seems too ambitious there's a really great story on kotaku about it um like just amazing video game journalism i encourage people to to go and seek it out it's really good explains the whole situation basically that game uh fell through and one of the statements from ea made it sound like one of the ways that they were going to try to salvage the game was by looking into more online shared world experiences and automatically what everybody jumped to was destiny uh, so that's where it connects to what you were saying, um, in terms of online play, because I'm not the kind of person who, uh, plays competitive online multiplayer. I have played a shitload of destiny too. And it's really weird. It's really weird. I never would have thought I just got caught in the hype and I had a few friends who were playing. And so once you, that's, that's the key really is having yeah. a, a couple of friends who are into it. And uh, Destiny is primarily PvE, which I also like. So you're doing the story and you're doing side quests and things that are, are adding to that universal storytelling um, with friends in a kind of like passive multiplayer experience. Um, and as much as I wanted what Visceral was actually making, your your statement about like, oh, I just don't uh, you know play online anymore. I'm thinking the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for Destiny. And wouldn't it be cool if they did something like that? But the problem is, like, we already have a Destiny. And yeah, now I was we're just about get... to say that. Yeah, you're going to have to stop playing Destiny if that happens. Well, no, exactly. And it's like, is it going to be as good as Destiny? I mean, not that Destiny, the story is not great. It's a very budget kind of story. Um, but the gameplay is great. And the gunplay is fantastic. And it feels great. Shooting in that game feels awesome. Um, and, like, the momentum of it is great. Uh, but then we also have uh, Bioware's game, which the name is escaping me right now. Uh, Bioware's coming out with a game that seems very similar to Destiny. Oh right, I'm not. I'm not familiar. I'm so out of the loop with games at the moment. And the name is escaping me at the moment. But Bioware's working on it, and the guy who uh, originally worked on um, Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect. Uh, whose name is also escaping me, has returned to work with them on that game. So that's going to be a really 
big experience also. And it's just like, at what point do we have too many of these games? Um, and it's kind of fortuitous that we're talking about uh, Destiny because one of the main stories to come out about uh, Battlefront 2 is the, the loot box scandal. So I don't know if you want to speak more to that. Yeah, I've kind of I've spoken about it a couple of times now, um, but I've I've never actually given my opinion on it really. So um, I don't think I even need to explain what's going on. Uh, like EA expect you to put nine thousand hours into the game, or else give them money to bypass having to do that. Yes, um, and that's their that's their business model. It's uh, a wildly successful model for them on FIFA Ultimate Team. They make more money from people paying to play on Ultimate Team than they do from actual sales of the game, mm -hmm. um, which is just a ludicrous thing to think about. Um, Especially so considering how many units of FIFA they sell. Yeah, I mean, millions. Like, they must make, like, hundreds of millions from that game, probably. Absolutely. Well, and FIFA 18 is running into, not to take this away from Star Wars, but even FIFA 18 is running into some scandals about the uh, drop rates seem to have been tampered with. And so people are complaining there's like a petition out right now with, I think it has like 25 million signatures or something, or 25,000 signatures, I want to say. Um, no, 250,000 signatures. Does that I, sound I think, more right? I think it is 25,000. 25,000 probably. If, if it's the same petition. I, I mean... FIFA is is strange because it's a game that everyone has and owns, and everyone also hates it. Um, but they continue everyone to play it. Everyone also loves it. Yeah, but but they also like. I I think people genuinely hate FIFA more than they love it. Um, they have this thing called the weekend league where people are playing forty games of FIFA on a weekend, which is you basically have a forty eight hour period to play twenty hours. <laughs> of FIFA and yeah. uh, it is insane just insane and people are doing it and like people are getting stressed out I guarantee you um, obviously no such data exists but a graph charting people's mental health just their general mental health um, before and after weekend league would be a, mm. a, a, a damning read but um the the loot crate thing is really affecting Battlefront because people are just very very angry. Um, the gambling commission in the UK are looking into it um, as a means of like um, selling gambling to selling gam promoting gambling to kids. Yeah. Um, the EU are looking at it, and uh, I think the US is also looking at it. Yeah, that's right. Actually, yeah, I read that yesterday. Um, so like it's it's bad times really. Uh, on the PR front for EA, but again, this is a company that wins worst company in the world award year after year, and they still sell, you know, millions and millions. So, um, I and it's really sad because they kicked that trend. They haven't been winning that award lately, and then suddenly now they're definitely going to win this year again. They genuinely uh, are terrible from a customer service standpoint. It like, is. It is really problematic. I remember once. Uh, I know we're talking about EA, so it's going to come back to FIFA. But I was playing FIFA, I want to say 15 on the PC, and uh, somebody hacked my account and was, I guess, doing something with the, the Ultimate Team stuff. I don't mess with Ultimate Team personally, mm -hmm. so. Um, but they shut down my Origin account, and yep. I got like a, a notice on email that was just like, "There's no way to to contest this. Like, you're guilty." Um, so I had to like 
call them and contact them and complain and send a crap load of emails that I shouldn't have had to send um, to clear my name. It was kind of like guilty until proven innocent and then yeah. still guilty. Uh, and then uh, I actually... <laughs> I got really upset about it because of the way that their emails were worded, so I forced them into an apology. So they had to send me an apology letter. Nice. I should have nice. framed it. You should have, yeah. No. They're, they're terrible. They, I, and for what it's worth, my Origin account gets hacked every other week. I actually can't believe it. And I've been meaning to ask other uh, FIFA YouTubers if this happens to them. Like, I, I feel like someone is targeting me, and it's definitely not because of my notoriety or anything like that. So why me? I don't know, but it happens to me every goddamn week. <laughs> I, get, yeah. I literally get an email about um, unusual activity on my account or whatever it is. Like Even every... with the two-factor authentication and everything? Um, I, I, I don't... Does Origin have two-factor authentication? I think they do now. Oh, well, I definitely don't use it, <laughs> but... um. Look yeah, into it. <laughs> either way, just um, yeah. See, I don't, I don't use Ultimate Team either. But anyway, we're kind of off the point. Um, well, yeah, no. But the point is that the the, the loot boxes in Battlefront. So the problem isn't. I got to be careful about how I say this because I'm absolutely not a corporate apologist. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that things like loot boxes and microtransactions are inherently evil or bad. I think they can be used well. I think actually an example. Um, for the most part, minus the uh, the shaders uh, of them being used well as Destiny, where I feel no personal impulse to spend money on Destiny, and I've had a great time with the game, and I've finished the game, and I was able to progress to the end of the game and get the things that I wanted without spending my own money on them. Uh, yeah. Things were actually attainable, and the drop rates were, you know, they were fine. It wasn't anything terrible. So, And it's mostly aesthetic. That's the thing, is that when loot boxes and crates are, are mostly aesthetic changes, things that don't fundamentally shift gameplay or aren't tied to the progression system as it is in Battlefront 2, which is why it's so crappy, um, then they're fine. I, I don't think there's anything negative about that if, if somebody wants... Does it prey upon uh, a certain kind of impulse for, pe for people to... to spend compulsively and to and to buy into these things and to to hear that sound of that sweet loot box opening up mm -hmm. like yeah of course it does it's the same method that they use for slot machines it absolutely is and people have admitted that but you know there is something way more insidious about the way that uh battlefront 2 uses them and that's because it is tied to the progression system ign has a has a really good article about that um and the the issue with that is that like you can't ham you can't tie a person's progression in a game to paying real world money. That's where, it, that's where the line has to be drawn. Um, and I think many people have spoken out about this in like the, the right way, the appropriate way by voicing their concerns publicly and in forums and the, the infamously most downvoted, uh, you know, yeah. post on uh, Reddit ever by like it demolished the other it was yeah. like by a factor of seven or something like that yeah, demolished yeah, yeah. the next and the next highest one was somebody asking to be downvoted yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> it, i mean it's ridiculous so i i think there is something gross about the way that it's been handled and it's not just battlefront it's other ea titles so fifa's which has had microtransaction in it for like the longest time it, it's one of the original microtransactions on consoles kind of setups like that yeah. uh with like the opening the decks of cards and all of that stuff um and they're running into problems because they've started tweaking things and then um you have uh well what's the other one that they came out with just now Does it, they have problems with nba 
also. Uh, I don't and I think know. they I had pro- they had problems with something else that they came out with. I don't think EA make an NBA game, do they? They make NBA Live. Oh right, okay, wow. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, they do, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of 2K, who they also make an NBA game, don't they? NBA yes, 2K. the better NBA game. Yeah, yeah. But um, my sources say the the whole issue has led to people boycotting the game. Uh, not me. My girlfriend got it for me for my birthday, and. I don't really care. I'm only in it to play the campaign anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm done, I'll definitely play online a little bit, but I won't be giving them any of my money, and I certainly won't be aspiring to unlock Luke's scarf from <laughs> episode four. <laughs> you know what I so, mean? Like a... Yeah, that is the big question, though, and it's something that was brought up on uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily. Um, if I, I don't know, anybody who's really interested in uh, video game news and... Uh, kind of like looking deep dives into the industry it's a really great podcast it's a daily podcast every weekday um and they break down all of this stuff uh like from an industry insider perspective and so uh one of the things that they were talking about was actually the the issue of how do you protest that because we're always talking about voting with your wallet right uh, you know, you don't like something, don't buy it, and that sends a message to the publisher. But the problem with games like uh, Battlefront 2 that are taking advantage of these microtransactions is, is that a good way of sending that message to them? Or is a better way of sending the message to buy the game and not purchase any microtransactions? Because the data that they're getting is going to be skewed uh, like, let's say the only people who buy the game are the people who pay for the microtransactions, yeah. but those microtransactions are enough. Like, y- you only need to make a profit of, I think, it's 2% on microtransactions for a game in order to uh, gain more money that way than through the complete buy of, of like, for, for the purchase of each individual unit. It's ridiculous. It, yeah. it's, some, it's an incredibly oh. low percentage that you have to make off of microtransactions in order to dwarf the amount of money that you would make just from selling the game by itself. Um, Capitalism. Oh, God. I know. It's ridiculous, right? And so, like, the whales who are going to buy the game anyway and spend that money, you're talking about, like, a lawyer who, you know, comes home from work to play Battlefront 2. And isn't it crazy that we're at a point in time where we're talking about lawyers who come home to play video games and it's not an exaggeration or a make-believe thing? But anyway... (laughs) Coming home and they're like, okay, if I got to drop like 50 bucks or 150 bucks, then like whatever, who cares, yeah. right? It's disposable income, but for the majority of people who play games, it's not. So yeah. it is insidious. It's gross. And then you have stuff like this uh, this link that I sent you with this guy who yeah, built this is like a wooden robot to grind for for loot boxes in uh, Battlefront 2. Yeah, he's he's constructed like a vice, a wooden vice basically, um with sticks coming out of the side. They look like lollipop sticks that are screwed yeah. on there. Um and it's it's connected to his controller and it presses the X button and the move button. So basically he's always in a game, he's always playing. Um yeah, gee, can you imagine the long-term implications of, of, a, of a thing like this, right? Th- this dude is playing online. He's in someone's lobby. He's on someone's team. <laughs> oh, so, God, I would hate that guy so much. There's some tryhard, like, gamer guy running around saying, Oh, my fucking teammates! Look at this guy! How it's, stupid is this guy? He's just looking at the wall! people doing this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, oh. But um, I Peaceful. guess... 
yeah like capitalism is like i believe in capitalism i actually think it's probably the best like economic system that we have ever tried but uh i hate it for stuff like this <laughs> it's just like so damn greedy and it feels morally shady because you're preying on people's uh, like addictiveness and uh it's yeah it's it's just kind of dark and um i'm kind of with you in in the sense that i don't think it's it's an inherently bad thing uh just that it's the way that ea are doing it does just seem to be terrible um so what what did you 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 mentioned that the main thing that uh you bought the game for was the campaign so mm -hmm. i mean i don't know how much into spoilers you want to get on here in case people are wanting to play the game but what are your feelings about the campaign because so, that's another um, thing that people are kind of disappointed about. Oh, well, I'm only on the fifth level. Like, I, I'd say I've probably amassed maybe 35 or 40 minutes of game time. I, um, I know where you are. Uh, yeah. And I have to say that you've already passed the point that people are most disappointed about. Oh, because really? Of, because of the way that the game was marketed. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I didn't pay any attention to the You're actually really. literally just at the point where that happened. And oh, okay. that's what's happening with the main character. And... I guess what her motivations are now. Oh yeah, I mean that doesn't bother me, but I didn't see the I didn't see any of the like I'm completely blind going into this game, so I didn't have any expectations to begin with. And to be honest, the way that I've interacted with it so far is me being like, oh my god, I'm playing a Star Wars game and it's this HD. Like yeah. I'm playing oh, a Star Wars campaign and I am looking at these plants on this magical planet that exists in and and like this is a real tangible connection i'm having with the star wars universe like this is magnificent that's what's going on in my head when i'm playing uh I, i'm truthfully not even paying that much attention to the cutscenes like i'm watching them but in my head i'm still just like oh my god oh my god star wars star wars this is so great well this um, is it's it's a competent game otherwise right and it's a yeah. fun game like there's it's not a bad game it's just it has some unfortunate systems in it that really hamper it and, and i'm just gonna say you can cut this if you think it's too spoilery so i'm, I'm just gonna say it like because you're already at this point but the game was marketed as Iden versio this imperial special forces officer who grew up on an imperial planet and believes in the empire and i want to say like a quarter of the way into the story she becomes a rebel yeah it was a very very sudden turn but the reason why i wasn't um thrown by it in any way was because they teased it in the very first scene where she goes the empire's time is coming to an end and that made me think um she hasn't just gone from I love the Empire, the Empire is everything to fuck the Empire. She's right. gone from, I've not... been questioning this from for mm -hmm. a long time now, so my transition is not that surprising to me. Well, and I don't think that it's necessarily the trans the transition that's being criticized, although that some people are criticizing that and comparison, uh, comparisoning it, comparing it Compare to it. Uh, to Hayden Christensen's uh, change for when he was playing Anakin from light side to dark side, which took like five seconds on screen. Oh. Well, I haven't uh, got to murder any kids yet, so that is definitely a point <laughs> against the game. So, you know, I, I think the main thing that people are upset about is that the story of the game was sold to people, was marketed as, like, this uh, is a story okay. from the Empire's perspective, and it's not. Mm, yeah. It is for, like, the first, you know, couple hours of the game, and then it's uh, not. And that's, that's a little disappointing. 
I, I'd have to check the marketing, right? Because I didn't, like, I genuinely, the only adverts I saw were, were simple, like, uh, Star well, Wars, it's here. It, yeah, it, it is the it is the the trailers and all of that stuff for sure, but it's also the keynote speeches for, like, E3 and the the actress who plays uh, Iden Versio, who does a fantastic job, by the way, regardless mm-hmm. of, like, any shortcomings with the story, um, you know, coming out and saying... Uh, you know, like what the story is about and talking about her character and what her values are and like why you should be interested in this game and why it's different. Um, and of course, that's like EA, right, talking and that's uh, that's Dice talking. Um, or I, well, I forget who did the the story because it was a different studio. But anyway, um, it's just it. The problem is also that you don't play as Aiden for the whole game. Like you're talking about a level where you're you're playing as Princess Leia, and and like that's another issue as well is that like the game very quickly becomes Star Wars tourism, which I'm fine with. Yeah, like, I, I love en- that. I, I enjoyed the campaign, but it's also especially I think on the heels, the thing that hurts this game also in terms of the single player is EA closing Visceral because you find out that EA was working on this very like seriously awesome sounding uh, Star Wars story for all intents and purposes it was like a star wars story um and you know the, then you go to this campaign and it's like it's it's unfocused which i'm fine with like again like this is not a bad campaign it's quite entertaining it's just it disappoints on levels where i you know i wish it uh i wish it had excelled but um i think they do some really good things they handle a lot of the characters really well uh namely um and I don't know if this happens later for you. I think it's already happened for you, but they handle Luke Skywalker in the game phenomenally. Yeah, I got to be him already. And okay, it was yes, awesome. that level. Yeah. It's it's handled so well. That's like the best handling of Luke Skywalker we've had since the original trilogy. Yeah, and I remember when they first released like a little segment of his voice and they were like, this sounds nothing like Luke, oh my god. But it does. It sounds, it, it's exactly like him. It's, it's fantastic. Leia sounds uh, like yeah. Carrie Fisher quite a lot actually and then uh there's a level with han solo also which i won't i won't spoil (laughs) but the han solo level is is quite entertaining for a purely aesthetic reason uh yeah it's a good it's a good time okay has he got an erection or something (laughs) has he got sorry (laughs) i said has he got an erection or something no, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> He's watching Wookiee porn or something. I don't know. No, no, no. But he he does uh, start to look a little bit more like Chewbacca. Um, Interesting. It's 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 actually pretty great. But uh, I I think the point that we're getting at with the game is that like it's not a bad game. It's a fun game. You're having a good time with it. I had a good time with the campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I think it's worth playing. I just if you're in it for the competitive multiplayer. Honestly, maybe wait till EA fixes this garbage with the progression system because they cannot keep the progression system the way it is. It, yeah. It's too tied to the microtransactions. They, it just doesn't work. Um, but I don't want to spend the whole time talking about just this game, so I don't know if you wanted to move on to another exciting Star Wars thing next. Yeah, I guess we should maybe talk about the the new trilogy because th- this is really exciting. I mean, yes! even just to speculate about this is a blank canvas mm. and we have no we don't know what time it's going to be set in. Um like we, we don't know who's even going to be in it. We don't know anything about any of the characters. All we know is there is a new trilogy from a clean slate 
and they can do whatever they want, and that is so amazing. Yes. So, Ryan yeah. Johnson. Yeah, Ryan Johnson. I haven't even seen episode eight yet, and I'm so excited about this for a couple reasons. One is that I happen to like Ryan Johnson's movies. I think he's a good writer. Uh, I think he writes um, good characters with good dialogue. Um, he has interesting and innovative ideas, like Looper. Looper is uh, great. I really enjoyed it. Well, and Brick is great too. Like his movies are good. They're just they're good movies. Uh, directed um, uh, award-winning episodes of uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, the Fly episode. Yeah, uh, Ozymandias. Yeah. Um, it, it's he's really really good at what he does. And the other part of that is that he's the only director in uh, the new Star Wars era, the Disney era of Star Wars, to have not had any problems with Disney. And it seems like he's had a lot of freedom to mess around with the formula of what makes a Star Wars movie. But I think that the difference between that and something like what Phil and Lord were doing with Han Solo, which we're probably going to get into tangentially through talking about this movie, mm -hmm. uh, these movies, um, is that he... I, I think, and I like, I don't have the information to, to know if this is true or not, but it might be that he's just better preserving what we were talking about before, which was the feeling of Star Wars while changing the formula, right? Uh, and I think from what we heard afterwards coming from the set about what Phil and Lord were doing with the Han Solo movie, they were changing the formula and the feel. Yeah. Uh, they Like, what it sounded like they were making was... Um, 21 Jump Street in space with Han Solo and if you want to make 21 Jump Street in space that's fine and if you want to make a Star Wars movie that has some of that feeling in it then I think that's great but you can't do it with Han Solo because that's not what that character is you... every time I read something about what they were doing I get so angry <laughs> at the fact that they were trying to do it like but I don't know what it is also I'm... angry at uh, at Disney for firing them. They're like, finally, they we're doing something different and not tied to the, you know, the. It's like, screw off. What yeah. They were doing something. You know what else was different? Episode one, two, and three. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what we just talked about. And like, I I know there's people who enjoy those movies, and that's fine. Like, you're totally allowed to enjoy those movies. If that's Star Wars to you, then all the power to you. I'm not taking that away from you. I would never tell anyone not to enjoy those movies. I'm just, mm -hmm. it to me, that's not what Star Wars is. Yeah. I, and... I have an, uh, an interesting question for you that I'm not sure you'll be able to answer straight away. Um, mm. Is there anything in this new series, this new trilogy, that you're looking for that you haven't seen in previous Star Wars movies, but that wouldn't fit in with the idea or the philosophy of the previous Star Wars movies? I'll give you two examples. Um, one is... Something that's always bothered me. This is this is gonna get nerdy, and that's that's fine. But just warning to anyone who's not really that into Star Wars, you're gonna fall apart here. Um, there's a when Han Solo is uh, riding out on the Tauntaun mm -hmm. out of the base, and he goes, and they're like, "Oh, temperatures are supposed to drop or whatever." And Han Solo goes, "Then I'll see you in hell." Um, he says the word <laughs> hell. Yes. In Star Wars, right? And I need to know the philosophical implications of the people in the Star Wars universe 
having the word hell in their vocabulary. Like, I need to know what, what that is. I need to know what they think happens when they die. Like, I need to know what the Force ghosts see before they become a Force ghost. So, hell in Star Wars is actually colloquial short-term for the planet Hellas, which is a burning fire planet populated by uh, aliens with large hooved feet uh, <laughs> and horns. Uh, and so, uh, he's referring to the mines of Hellas, uh, where Chewbacca actually was captured for a brief uh-huh. period in the expanded universe. Um, and then he had to work in the mines, mining, uh, mining whatever mineral they mine there. Blue milk. They, <laughs> <laughs> Blue milk rocks. They mine. They mine a mineral known as satanium. <laughs> satanium. Yes. Good old Hellas, huh? Good old Hellas. I love the way they feel the need to shorten Hellas. <laughs> yeah. That notoriously long word. <laughs> when you take two letters off that word, you got yourself a nickname that'll stick. Well, we don't um, know if it was actually shortened because it was in the script, right? So uh, the popular theory among you know Star Wars scholars is that he was Harrison Ford was saying the line, and you know when you have like a burp, but like it's kind of caught <laughs> in your throat. It's like I'll see you in hell. <laughs> he couldn't finish the line, but it sounded great. So classic Harrison Ford. I think that line was probably improvised because Harrison Ford was given a lot of leeway to to screw around with his lines in the original. He, he always does, doesn't he? Yeah. Isn't that a thing about? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but it it bothers me that George Lucas didn't <laughs> like read that or hear that and say, "Huh, hell, <laughs> does that exist in the Star Wars universe?" This was something I had to think about, and it was a conscious choice for me to leave it there. For, uh, yeah, just uh, so that that's one thing. And then another thing is uh, how do stories get told to people in Star Wars beyond right. word of mouth? Beyond C3PO. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who is the media in Star Wars? I can think Darth of one example. Vader. In... Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, it's class. Um in in episode 2 when the what is it called changeling or whatever it is is trying to kill anakin yes um and she trying to kill padme trying to kill padme but then gets into a high-speed chase with anakin um and just she's like standing on some uh huge uh, balcony of a really really high-rise building um and there's an advertisement a neon advertisement behind her uh, and that's really interesting because they have advertising in Star Wars. And surely if they have advertising, like of just even if it's just a billboard, they've probably got something else. So there seems to be – obviously Products. there are televisions that they, they talk to one another true, like screens. Mm. They don't seem to broadcast anything else. There's, there's no like news network in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, we don't see like holograms that. for entertainment or anything like that ever. Yeah, apart from maybe the chessboard thing, and that's probably like the one example Dej- of it. Dejirak? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, th- those are two things that I want to know about. And if they were to be explained in some small way in the new trilogy, not explained, I mean just alluded to even. I honestly think you're going to get something of it in episode eight. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I know you're staying away from information uh, on episode eight, so like I won't go into detail about it. It it is something that was revealed a long time ago about a planet that they're going to be on, um, but is it, it Hellas? <laughs> yeah, it's Hellas. Uh, no, but they're they're going to be visiting a, a city that 
um, explores kind of like a different echelon of, uh, of, of people and creatures existing in the Star Wars universe. Um, so we've kind of seen the dingier side and this is going to be like the classier side. Um, and that's all I'm going to say so that it doesn't like spoil anything. Um, but, uh, it it is, it does seem like a very different perspective of like what's happening in the star Wars universe. Like we've gotten like a very narrow view of like certain classes of people. Um, and it seems like they're expanding on that. So I think you are going to get a taste of something there. I'm so excited for in terms of like eight. entertainment and stuff. I'm so excited. It's going to be and it and it's Ryan Johnson and he's doing something different, which is exactly what we were talking about, right? Yeah. Um to answer your question, uh I think it's a little bit different from the ones that you gave, but when you were talking about that, one of the things that I was thinking about was uh was a line that was delivered in the in the, one of the trailers by Luke Skywalker, which again I won't say because you're avoiding the the trailers. Um, but everybody knows the one that I'm talking about. If you've seen the trailer, it is that big line that Luke Skywalker says in the trailer, uh, and we're probably only getting half of it, and it's probably not in the scene that was shown in the trailer. But it's very like f- it shakes the fundamentals of the Star Wars universe. Like, what does he mean by that? I think I know. I I did I did see the first trailer that was released. So uh, I assume you're talking about the one where it's time for the Jedi to end. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, yeah, I, I didn't know what I could say, what I couldn't say. Yeah. No. Um, it's yeah. No. It's fine. I I did see the first trailer, and then from then I decided I was super excited, and I was like, oh, I need to I need to go underground now and stop. But hearing that, like that is something that we haven't had before. That seems antithetical to. Uh, you know what's come before in the star wars universe right that uh, that idea that like this like how could disney let something like that happen like the jedi are like the marketing machine of star wars you know yeah i know that's why everybody's questioning whether you can have a successful movie without jedi in it because even rogue one they had to put in uh darth vader at the end and that was like everybody's favorite scene yeah it was awesome yeah i know but i think I don't know. It was cool to see old school Vader. I think like that's why I loved it. It wasn't. Yeah. To, um, I saw like Dave Rubin uh, talking about it, and he was like, "I just don't understand how you can have a Star Wars movie with no Jedi." And I was just like, "The fuck off!" <laughs> the universe is so big. Yeah. It's so big, and we've explored only such a small part of it. So going going back to the Ryan Johnson's trilogy, that's what I'm excited for. Like to answer your question, the answer to your question is Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get to see uh hopefully uh a part of the galaxy, the universe that we've never seen before. New that's characters, exactly yeah. new stories. Um are there going to be force users? Maybe, probably. It's most likely. They're probably not going to be Jedi though. Jedi aren't the only entities in the in the Star Wars universe capable of wielding and using the Force. Um, we've seen through the cartoons and ex- like the canon now expanded universe stuff uh, that there are other characters, uh, other entities, other life forms, other peoples that can use and manipulate the Force. Jedi is a religion. It, it, it yeah. it's, it's a it's an order that that people are part of and you don't have to be part of that order in order to be strong and know how to use the force so i think it's very likely that we see force users in a different way which is very exciting um yeah the, you know what's interesting is um 
I was thinking about how um, Denis Villeneuve, or whoever you pronounce his name, has been mm. um, talking about Fantastic doing... director. Yeah, he's amazing. He's one of the best around. Um, he was talking about doing a Dune remake. Yes. Um, well, basically a reboot. And um, I never... I, I actually did watch... Well, he's working Bridge. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I... Um, he said it's going to be uh, completely different to the David Lynch one, and I wasn't a huge fan of the David Lynch one, but I, I saw it when I was like nine years old, and I think you need to be at least three times that age to you know, actually consume a movie like that. Um, but I played the Dune games a lot, Dune and Dune 2000, mm. and um, the sense I always got from it was that the different houses, there's, uh, there's Harkonnen, um, Ordos, and the other one that sounds like a Treyu, I can't remember what it's called, um but they all like one of them is good one of them is bad and then one of them is just driven by like purely logic and not morals or something like that right. and in the in the force the world of the force there's the jedi and the sith and it would be really cool if there was another group because there's actually room for another group absolutely there's, there's no reason that you have to be one i, I really loved um playing um Dark Forces 1 and 2 back in the day when you played as oh, yeah. a completely different person who had... Kyle uh, Katarn, right? Kyle Katarn, yeah. Um, and he had Force abilities. Um, and you chose between good and evil, like Sith and Jedi, uh, as you were sort of exploring those capabilities, and you could pick things that the dark side had and you could combine them with things that the that the that the light had. So Absolutely. you could you could force choke someone, but you could also do like uh, Jedi moves and stuff, and it was super cool. And you also had an orange lightsaber, and it just it, it just explored this sort of shades of gray mentality where it's really down to the player. It's up to you yourself. And there's room for another like code of of Jedi Order, so just something completely different, and that would be super cool, especially if they all had orange lightsabers as opposed to the ones that we've seen and stuff like that. Yeah, and it'd be it'd be interesting to see what Luke, because it looks like Luke probably has the the Journal of the Wills um, or some part of it uh, in those books that you see in that first trailer, mm -hmm. uh, just before he says it's time for the Jedi to end. Um. One wonders uh, if the Jedi isn't some sort of bastardization of something that was more pure, more idealistic, more um, accepting um, that came before the Jedi. And that because uh, like the the one thing that the prequels did, which I do appreciate, is they problematize the idea of the Jedi being good. Like they're not yeah. inherently good. They, they there is a lot of politicking that takes place within the Jedi Council. Um, yeah. And what is right isn't always what is done. Um, so, you know, I, I, it is really interesting to think about, like, uh, will that be explored in some future or past space? Or is that going to be what's happening with episode eight? We see the beginning of that, right? Where Ray, might be the, become the first part of that. Or yeah. is Kylo the first part of that? Yeah. And that's why he, and that's why he had to spend time with Luke and with Snoke. I absolutely love the character of Ray. I love it. There's something so just so awesome. likable about her. So authentic. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy that I'm just so happy with the the Star. The just I'm just I I just I love Star Wars. You know, mm. <laughs> it's so damn good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really really happy with Ray. Um, 
when when there's a new trilogy coming out, and I mean, obviously this one's a continuation of the. Uh, sorry, I'm talking about the one that's out now, like seven, yes. eight, and nine. Um, there was there were so many question marks about how safe they should play it and and things like that. And I'm just I'm so glad that they have completely constructed a competent list of characters in there that are all interesting in their own way and all more than capable of driving the franchise forward. And that's like Ray, Kylo. Um, Finn and uh, Poe. Yes, Poe. Poe Dameron. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's awesome. Like it's it's so good. And uh, I I just every time I think about this new trilogy, I I do you know I I think it's really weird. But instinctively, I want it to take place like thousands of years before or after. Weekend. You know. Yeah. Before or after. I suspect it'll be before, though. But well, that's the thing is like, what if so? Like Luke has all these old books, right? And they're and they're apparently going to tie something to do with the Jedi Order because of the symbols that we've seen in the books, right? Tied to the to the Jedi Order already from the trailer. Like that's just something that we we know that there this this book is from before. It's the first paper book we've seen in a Star Wars universe, um, and he has a shelf of them, a little shelf of them. Um, is this movie directed by Ryan Johnson, is his trilogy going to be exploring the origins of that? If there is a truth revealed about the Jedi, something from the past, right? They're at the first Jedi temple, remember? Yeah. Is Ryan Johnson's trilogy going to be like, okay, now let's explore that. Not a prequel, but like this idea of, of exploring what came before and what the origin of, of that mythology is. And what happened? You know, that's not a that's not a bad shout. Like I could definitely see that being the case, given how much creative control we're led to believe he has in this project, and the fact that he's chosen to put all of those things in, which means that he's probably imagined it. You know, he's probably created this universe to some degree already. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I could definitely see that being the case. Yeah, I think that's really. I think you. I think you're really good at speculating on things like this like, <laughs> we'll see when the movies come out whether i am or not well i i mean even if you're not correct what you're saying i'm like yeah that sounds that sounds good you know what i mean mm. well so, disney's done yeah. such a good job with the marketing of putting tendrils out there and uh getting people to guess the wrong thing so that happened a lot with uh rogue one of course part of that was also the fact that parts of that movie were reshot there were extensive reshoots um so things in that movie actually changed from the point when the first trailer came out so that's why some of those elements are different but they've also been really good at tricking us with the trailers so in the trailers for episode seven um they were really pushing the idea that ray is han solo's daughter mm -hmm. like it was made very apparent any see like there's a trailer where um it where the first trailer where han solo says it's true all of it uh, and the music of Han and Leia's theme kicks yeah, in yeah. Uh, from Empire. And it's just like gut-wrenching, and you're like, oh my god, it's their daughter. She's a solo, and she doesn't even know, but they know. Um, mm, and yeah. it's going to be revealed. And it's like, I'm starting to like look at Star Wars trailers, and anything that looks like an obvious connection, I'm starting to immediately throw it out. So, I saw like a I saw like a five second clip of the I think it might be the second trailer of episode eight. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see Kylo Ren and Ray 
seemingly exchanging dialogue. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. That, that is absolute. They are 100% not talking to one another, and those are cut up from different scenes. I'm calling it that, like, that is that is uh, deliberate misdirection, I'm sure of it. Or they are talking to each other, but that uh, exchange, like, heard part of the dialogue isn't from that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it might be something where they're stuck in a place where they're both going to die unless they help each other kind of thing, but they still hate each other, mm-hmm. but they need to, to survive. Something like that, right? Um but they've been really good at tricking us with that stuff, and that's exactly what I what I was going to lead into uh, was yeah. was that scene from the trailer. So I mean, like, don't and it, it's the same reason that I absolutely do not believe that Ray is Luke's daughter. It's it's been too it's been put out there for us on a platter, and I just don't think that's what it is. I, th- I think I'd partly be annoyed if that turned out to be the case. And on top of that, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. You know? Uh, apart from that, we've seen um, pre, pre like pre episode seven uh, stuff in comics with Luke and Kylo, and nothing is mentioned about Ray or a daughter or anything like that. Um, and of course, that would be intentional to make sure that people don't catch on. But mm-hmm. you know, I th- I think um I think they really have to get the Ray reveal right because I think there's a a huge amount of room for dissatisfaction with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but hopefully they haven't painted themselves into a corner, but there's a really good, uh, star Wars theory person on YouTube, uh, influencer content maker, whatever. Um, I think, and I might be wrong. I think it's Thor Skywalker. And he was talking about, uh, precisely this, the, the reveal of Ray's parentage, uh, and why it can't be something complicated. Um, and the, his reasoning was like absolutely simple. And it boils down to this. There isn't enough screen time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is not enough screen time to reveal Luke, uh, to reveal, um, Ray's parentage if it's ultra complicated. They can't do it. It has to be something that makes sense. Uh, and yeah. that is connected and is, uh, easy to explain. Um, one of the simplest solutions, and I don't remember if this is something that he put forward, uh, is that she is, uh, like Anakin was born from the force. Um, you know, I would think that that's a little bit disappointing also. It's just like how many chosen ones just like spit out of there. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of dumb it, within like a 40 year period or whatever. But like... my personal hope is that she's nobody important's daughter. I feel mm. like the most satisfying thing for me would be if she's no one important. Really? I, that's I just, interesting. Coming up from nothing. That's what made Luke so interesting at first was that he was just like this farm boy. Uh, but then it turns out that he's related to like this great Jedi from before. But wouldn't it be like uh, amazing if the, the Skywalker mantle is passed down to this girl who came from nothing? You know, like a real kind of Joan of Arc story. Uh, there have been parallels drawn between Ray and, and Joan of Arc before by by some theorists, but like, I don't know. I I feel like that would that would satisfy me. I know it would not satisfy most people though. Uh, a lot of people are rooting for the Obi Wan theory that I was talking about last time we talked about Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's sort of my my hope at the moment. I think Obi Wan's um, granddaughter. Yeah, partly because of just how well and easily you explained it to me. Like it, it now exists in my head as a you know, a, a, like a, a huge possibility. And it's also um, the fact of 
the Obi-Wan movie that we now are pretty much sure is happening because it's been all but announced publicly. Um, you know, they're working on an Obi-Wan Star Wars story. That seemed like one of the most obvious first stories that they would have done. So why did they hold off on it? Well, it could have been the writing. It could have been anything else. But it could also be they have to hold off on revealing that until after Rey's parentage is revealed. Because if Rey turns out to be related to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan suddenly has a granddaughter, there's a bunch of questions about, wait a minute, Obi-Wan was a hermit on a planet. How did he get a granddaughter? Now you have a story to tell. Yeah, that is... That's what I mean. You're so good at coming up with stuff like that. I, I think um, I think you're right as well. The Obi-Wan one just screams out as, like, make this movie. Because you've got two of the only likable characters from the the original trilogy, uh, the new trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, Ewan McGregor and uh, Liam Neeson are both... Uh, like, they've aged significantly enough for it to fit in tangentially with... like. Obviously, Qui Gon is going to be in that movie as a Force ghost. Like, that's kind of that's probably I mean, one of the most exciting things. He might even yeah. be in Episode Eight, Al. No way. Like, he might be in Episode Eight. Like, Luke is probably going to be talking to a bunch of Force ghosts, even if it's just audio. Oh wow! Like, think about it. Luke is alone on a planet. Of course, he's going to be talking to the Force ghosts. Or maybe he's not. Maybe the Force ghosts are going to appear to Ray because Luke has shunned them. Because you know, it's some secret that they didn't tell him. It's so exciting to think about Luke talking to Qui-Gon. <laughs> I know! Like, that's so weird Like that I think about that and I'm like, wow, that would be mind-blowing. Yeah. Jeez. Stop. Yeah, it's it's so cool um, having seen Luke's arc, like his story, um, and now to think of him as like the greatest Jedi ever, and, and that's what he is. Like it, I don't know... Just to think of him in that context when we've seen him go from, like, you know, farm boy to super important. Mm. Like, um, yeah, geez. um, There was another thing, just going back to my question to you about what you'd like to see explained in the blank slate thing. Um, I used to collect, like, all sorts of Star Wars memorabilia. And uh, back in the day, I had this, like, sticker book type thing that explained the origins of, of lots of things. Like, it, it had a diagram of how Jedis construct a lightsaber mm-hmm. with all these different things in it. Um, but it said... It was like a list of um, what it means when Jedi have certain lightsabers. And apparently... Well, this is... I mean, this is licensed stuff, but I don't think it's canon. Um, but anyone who has a green lightsaber has a family anyone has a blue lightsaber is like a just a normal jedi um and anyone has a red one is a sith lord and they i don't think they went into like purple and and all of that Mm. but it's interesting to think that green means they have a family obviously luke would be excluded from that because he created the green one um although no it doesn't right because he found out about leia well, no, that was before. Well, he found out about Darth Vader, so maybe he created the green lightsaber, thinking, "Well, now I have a family, so green or mm. something." I don't know. Mm. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, so I'd kind of like to have that explained, um, just to go back, because I just remember that just popped into my head. So it's interesting. Um, hmm. Yeah, the lightsaber colors. Uh, there was a comic that came out recently, the uh, Darth Vader comic. 
Um, it takes place like right after he's been saved by Palpatine. Um, and so he's still coming to grips with his body and understanding how it all works. And he's not as powerful as he was when he was a Jedi. Um, so he gets into like a fight with a, with a Jedi who's escaped order 66 and, uh, ends up almost dying. Like he's almost destroyed by this Jedi because like he's not as powerful as he was. Um, it's a, it's amazing. Like when he finally goes and, and is about to kill the Jedi, he reveals to the Jedi who he is as like a final, like knife in the heart of, of this Jedi is that he was, because it was like Anakin was the best of them. Mm-hmm. And then he reveals that he is now Darth Vader. Um, yeah. It's kind of like a poetic moment. But in those comics, it's revealed that the uh, crystals for red lightsabers are normal crystals uh, that have been corrupted by dark side energy. So from pain. So like the, the crystal is a... Um, is in some ways kind of like a not sentient, but it's alive. Uh, and so they pour their, their anguish into it um, and physically like torture the crystal, em- like emotionally torture the crystal uh, until it becomes the, the red crystal. Yeah, that's crazy. And that totally ties into so what it's like, I was just saying as well. Exactly. Like, it's like the, the suffering like, gets poured yeah. into crystal and they it's like torturing the crystal like the crystal doesn't like this um and they they do it until it it turns yeah and like green is like slightly brighter than blue so if you think about just the idea of someone finding a family and that sort of wholesome feeling it definitely ties into like if if the crystal were to you know be able to harness that somehow Mm. and burn brighter because of it that's like that's awesome to think about it's like it's really dark but in a cool way yeah yeah definitely and that could like actually just that one thing about like the idea of it being uh, sort of semi-sentient in some way could could explain like the purple one as well in some way like that there's something specific about him about mace that makes his purple like yeah I don't, I don't know what it could be, though. <laughs> so I know b- before in the old canon, uh, Sith crystals were synthetic. Like, they they weren't actual crystals. But, like, the this new canon seems to be shifting that to, like, no. This is probably actually Anakin's uh, original lightsaber. No, it wouldn't be, because that lightsaber is the one that uh, Rey ends up with and Luke ends up with. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's true. it's it's all sorts of interesting. I think it's revealed how he builds his lightsaber in that comic, but I like I haven't actually like sat down and read the comic. I just know of it. Um, yeah, plus, it, it's still even if it is explained how he built it, it could still leave the door open for the sentient crystal thing to be true. So, yeah, let's uh, let's, let's leave that on the table <laughs> as a possibility because that's that's really cool to think about. We are such nerds, me mainly, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Um, yeah, so what were, what were we saying before? Oh, yeah, the idea of Luke talking to Qui-Gon and everything. Yeah, geez, that's insane. And then an Obi-Wan spin-off movie uh, could also be really interesting. Um, like, I, I can imagine a final shot of that movie being him sort of just 
throwing in the towel and and going to become a hermit and it being like a really somber end to a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'd go down that angle though because Disney, but I I mean they did have the Rogue One ending, right, which was which was very dark, so. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I I I want them to go dark with a lot of things. Mm-hmm, um me too. but Star Wars is such a fine balance of of light and dark and I think Rogue One for the most part got a lot of it right. Like it's a sad ending. Like but there is hope. Um that movie has a lot of humor in it. It's pretty funny, especially like the K2SO stuff. Um yeah. but yeah. it also has like one of the darkest endings in in Star Wars where like everyone that was that mattered to you in that movie died. Um so I don't know. I I think as long as they strike that balance, it's good. Empire has a good uh, balance, I think. There's a lot of uh, fun to be had with Empire, but it's also a, a very serious... It is the darker of the movies. Um, it's interesting the conflicting yeah. reports that we've gotten about Episode Eight, right? That like it is a, a darker Star Wars movie, some are saying, and then some people in the cast are like, well, it's not as dark as Empire. It is dark, though. Like It's as dark as Empire, but as light as A New Hope or, or Jedi. Yeah. Um, so it'd be really interesting to find out where that balance lies for that. But I think you do need the balance. Cause I, I think that a star Wars movie that was too dark, I don't know. It might be interesting though to like, the yeah, like, what would a star would be, Wars yeah. horror movie look like? Right. Like not, yeah, I know. Yeah. Not all the way horror, but you know, like a creepier, darker star Wars movie. Like what if you had a movie that was, you know, mostly about, you know, dealing with the, the dark side of the force kind of thing. Like, um, obviously that doesn't necessarily work, but you can't have a movie that's centered around villains because that's just not the way that storytelling works. It doesn't work out very well. Um, because you need somebody to root for, but then how do you, how do you do that? Right. And I think, uh, working with like the darker side of the star Wars universe could be, could be kind of interesting, kind of scary, right? In a, in yeah, a I think way. so too. There's, there's definitely a way they could do with the focuses on a hero. Um, it's yeah that that universe is kind of so locked in um in terms of how far you can go how how dark it can possibly go but it's still like i don't know the the door is open for them like they've made a heist movie out of it um and like i assume they're going to like i i suspect that the the han solo movie is going to be like a western like a space like a it's sort of like Firefly in in a way, um, so like I, I think they will do. I think they will span different genres of movie within the universe, but they unfortunately they probably won't go really dark because Disney and PG and stuff like that. Mm. They need everything to be happy and sort of. But that's the thing. If the if the if the Obi Wan movie doesn't end with him retreating to become a hermit, it's gonna feel so weird. Because it'll be like, yay, happy ending, but then we know that this goes wrong and he goes to live alone in the desert. <laughs> so so uh, quickly, and tying to like the, the darker kind of stories in Star Wars, I'm just looking at the information from the Vader comic because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't saying anything incorrect. Um, so that Jedi that almost kills him, uh, Vader's still in conflict with himself at that point. Um, he finally needs to uh, kind of extinguish the good before he can strike back uh and uh and kill this jedi he then takes that jedi's kyber crystal Mm. 
and he has to uh, uh, like basically like Palpatine forces him to take that crystal to a cave on Mustafar um, to face uh, the demons, I guess, of his of like his greatest defeat, which which is against Obi Wan. Um, and basically, like once he's there, uh, he has to channel all that hate from that pain from that loss and take like this dead Jedi's kyber crystal and corrupt it with his anger and his hate for Obi-Wan um, from from that defeat and finally break the crystal and bend it to his will and that's when the crystal turns red that's like his ownership over it uh, has shifted and so it's a it's a Jedi's a, a Jedi who he kills lightsaber crystal that he's corrupted that's, pr- that's pretty dark it's pretty awesome also yeah no it definitely is yeah I I suspect that would be too like complicated to explain in a movie. Although maybe not. They kind of do well with stuff like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, just listen to this. Uh, he must face the light side of the Force, which is still sharing space with his newfound dark side resident. Channeling all of his anger and reliving the greatest pain and suffering experienced at his, uh, as his former self, Anakin Skywalker, Vader refuses to pull to the light and fully gives into the dark side of the Force. The crystal is finally corrupted and turns crimson, showing Vader's new ownership over it, and also symbolizing the complete corruption of the dark side over him. Whoa. It's, yeah, it's uh, not the lightsaber dark. that you see in the films. He gets a different one before the, the yeah. films. But damn, like that's so cool. Yeah, it is. That's, uh, what's this website? That's from Fansided. Is that where you'd like to see it go? I don't know. I don't know if that, I think that works well in comics. I think that can work well in video games, but I think it's so hard to tell a story about villains. That's one of the, beyond the terrible writing uh, and the problems with the production, that's one of the reasons that Suicide Squad doesn't work is because, like, they're not even anti-heroes. They're assholes. And it's very difficult yeah. to cheer for assholes when there isn't very much redeeming about them. It's easier to do that in a comic book. Like, I just don't think that the film medium has found a good way to tell a story centered around bad guys. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's like... part of the reason that this is exactly going into what we were talking about with the campaign for Battlefront 2 with Aiden. You know? She becomes a good guy because that's the only way to continue that story and have that empathy. Because they haven't found a good way to tell a story from the side of the Empire. Because the Empire are Nazis. Like, <laughs> That's true, they're, yeah. They're space and, and Nazis. Like that, there's so many so many things in the game that like they basically scream that at you as well. Like Particularly when you're on the Imperial planet. I can't remember what it's called. And it's basically like you're seeing people herded off into concentration camps and stuff. Yep. Like It's just the imagery could not be more obvious about what it's screaming at you. So... Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, it's interesting. Although, although it is cool when um, what is the guy's name, the the guy, imperial person who comes with the, he's like the the side character. Oh, the good um, side character. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I forget um, what his. He had a weird name, like Bin or something like that. Yeah, it's like Bin or something. I was gonna say Tim. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. Um. But the way he he tells Luke that he was like terrified of him when he grew up as a kid and everything, uh, that suggests propaganda 
you know, is that suggests that they're being force-fed propaganda of some kind, like which is also pretty interesting. Um, to, just to really quickly go back to the game, the Empire's idea of uh, exploding their own planet as a means of spreading fear throughout the galaxy is so goddamn ridiculous. Um, mm. I mean, like, they're losing a battle and they're plan of action is to eliminate a planet worth of soldiers um that's terrible strategizing yeah it's also like the thing is that's all part of project cinder and we don't really know what project cinder is doing except for that the the stuff that we've gotten from the expanded universe that we do have is that project cinder is what leads to the new order so the speculation from the books at least is that um part of Palp- the, the the speculation is that Palpatine knew that Snoke existed, that Snoke mm-hmm. is uh, an entity that exists outside of our known area of the Star Wars galaxy. Um, and Palpatine knows of his existence. And so he sends the uh, what is at that time the remnants of the Empire to find him. Uh, and that becomes the new order um, and becoming a kind of, uh, I guess, like. I not even empire, but like dark side evangelists almost kind of thing. Um, yeah. They're, they're like the extreme of the extreme. Like uh, I would say that the, that um, what the, what the new order or the first order, new orders of band. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Joy division minus Ian Curtis. That's so sad. Um, what, what the first order really represents is like, you thought those were space Nazis? No, these are space Nazis. That was just space fascism. Um, <laughs> this, this is Hitler. Uh, so it it is like a, a dark side, not dark side, but like uh, imperial extremism becomes the, the first order. Yeah. And it, there is a bit more because the first order, the empire was an empire. It was militaristic, right? But the first order seems like religious uh there there almost seems to be a religious fervor to it um so well we'll see where that leads and and what that has to do we're going to learn a lot more about snoke obviously in the in the next movie um and what he represents whether it seems like he he might be a force user is he a force user is he not a force user um some people have you know thought like well is he a force parasite is that why he needs kylo's power we'll see we'll see how tall is he gonna be probably going to be a midget or something no they they revealed the the height actually oh did they (laughs) i was just joking slightly taller than a tall man oh okay interesting yeah yeah um yeah geez it's so you know going back to the first question that i asked you um are you happy with disney like like conversations like this i like i just yes like of course. Just the f- the fact that we're able to talk about all this stuff is just mm-hmm. like, in a positive way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't have to be like, yeah, Star Wars, but the prequels. Like now I can just be like, yeah, yeah Star Wars. And again, I'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy the prequels if you do, but like a a lot of us felt that way that uh, you know, for me, and this is only a slight exaggeration, it was like a, a huge part of my childhood was like semi ruined. Um. Because, like, although I could go back to those original movies, they it felt kind of tainted. Um, 
I don't know that that it does seem like a bit of an exaggeration, but like it is also something that I'm kind of feeling. Um, and I don't necessarily have to feel that way anymore because, you know, uh, episode seven was good. Not great, but it was good. It was competent and it brought back that feeling of Star Wars, that camaraderie, that adventure. Um, and then Rogue One had, a, you know, it Rogue One might be my brother's favorite Star Wars movie now. Like and he's a he was the person who got me into Star Wars. Uh, and, and uh, you know, like for him, that's what he wanted was like the space battles and like the ships and like the, the you know, the characters driven to, to do something, to accomplish something that seems impossible. And then they do it. Uh, yeah. Just no more I mean, Death Stars, no more Death Stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We that that's been done. Yeah, yeah. It's a cop out. Give us, give us too. character stuff. Give us character motivations. Give us a, a reason. You know, you don't need a, a horrible weapon if the weapon is fear, right? Like you don't need a symbol of that fear anymore, like the Death Star, uh, like a like an object or, or like a battle station to to take that place. You can actually just, you know, it's a little bit more nuanced now. Film is a little bit more nuanced. You can talk about fear in a in a more abstract way you don't need to to come up with like this giant vehicle of fear yeah that's very true um yeah was there anything else that you wanted to mention <laughs> i don't know this is a ridiculously long episode it is yeah just <laughs> yeah um but it's everything that i wanted it to be so like the um, length like of a, a short star wars movie <laughs> yeah basically yeah but yeah oh episode um, eight gonna be the longest star wars movie ever it's it's two hours twenty one minutes or something, isn't it? Yep, longer than any other Star Wars movie currently. Yet. They, I mean, they're all pretty long anyway. Yeah, but Attack of the Clones felt like... like super. Revenge of the Sith is actually the second longest. It was the longest until this one. Um, but Attack of the Clones felt the longest because it, it definitely good. did. Yeah, um, I feel like at least two hours of that movie is just vehicles flying over dunes of sand with droids coming out of them. Yeah. That's like all I can think of when I picture that movie. I also have to say uh, the name of the movie, much like Force Awakens, but uh, Last Jedi really grew, mm -hmm. grew on me. I liked it from the beginning. I didn't think it was a bad name. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Uh, I'm really starting to like it. It it feels good. The only problem I like it too. <laughs> yeah, the only problem is that uh, the Return of the Jedi was colloquially referred to as Jedi. And now we have another movie that has Jedi in the title, so we can't really, you know, which one are we talking about? I guess Jedi and Last Jedi. It, it would be so funny if they took that into account and called it The Last Phantom Menace instead. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we'll be doing this again next month. Yeah. To discuss the actual movie itself. So um until then will we will we leave it there? I think so. I I think we talked a lot uh, about Star Wars today. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what percentage of my listeners are Star Wars fans, but I guess we'll find out. There was like one guy commented on the last Star Wars one that we recorded. And he said, I have never watched Star Wars at all, but I listened to this entire episode. <laughs> I was like, that is, I mean, I totally admired the dedication. Yeah. But I hope that you did not find that to be a painful experience. So um, to anyone out there who's done that, you know, let me know. <laughs> Tell me how it was for you. And um, I look forward to reading the comments. So Me too. I always check the comments.
Yeah. Um, thanks very much for coming on. Um, it's always good to talk about movies and stuff like that with you. Like, I think your insight is just, is just really like unique and, um, just very analytical and it's awesome. So let's definitely do this again. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on now. No problem. And obviously to everyone, check out Santiago's podcast. It's so good. Like I listen to it all the time and it's, like i mean if you enjoyed this or any other crossover episode that we've done like there's no reason to not go and listen to weird with you so the links for that will be in the description oh thank you i'll tell justine